T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is now 8.08 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be with you. And oh my goodness, I am excited about this half hour because uh, someone that I am familiar with, a sister to the man who is joining us tonight, um, his name is Roshan Rajkumar. So of course, Roshini Rajkumar. And I'm so excited to meet you via the phone. Um, let's start out with this. On Friday night, tennis legend Serena Williams lost in the third round of this year's U.S. Open. In an article in last month's issue of Vogue magazine, Williams said that she would be evolving away from tennis. And that has drawn massive star-studded crowds to her matches this week. Now, someone that has been in the middle of all that buzz is Roshan Rajkumar. If that name sounds familiar, as I said before, it's because he really is the brother of the former WCCO radio host, Roshini Rajkumar. Now, Roshan is the former president of the Northern Section of the United States Tennis Association, and he's in New York for this year's Open. He joins us now from the uh, event itself on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, Roshan. How are you? And thank you for joining us. Jalen, thank you so much. Doing well. Happy to be in New York. Happy to be on the call with you. Okay. So I do want to ask you about what's happening right now, but can I just ask you very quickly about this big loss for her. I thought she was going to be just fine with it, but in reading some of your words, I was very surprised to see that it really did hurt her, it seemed. Do you agree? Well, hurt her in in what says Sherilyn, because in the sense of losing, I I think coming to the end of quote-unquote career, that is honestly, I think she is the GOAT in in tennis. I think both men and women's. Uh, But at the same time, she's 40 years old. Uh, she's definitely bucked the trend of being an older player um, into the twilight career, but playing at such high a level. And I think walking away from it, um, she's been redefining herself. But at the same time, I think it really did hit her Friday night. And the crowd was honestly, I was heartbroken um, just watching her lose because I actually thought she was going to win because she pulled it up before. So if I'm at, I hope I'm not missing the question because I, I think it's hard just for her to suddenly say, oh, my God, it's over. The doubles didn't go her and Venus's way. So she's done. And, and she says she's walking away. And, but at the same time, I really love what the U.S. Open, what New York, the crowds have done to support her Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, we were out here and it's just been electric. I can just imagine how much fun that was for you. What is it like right now, tonight? What are you feeling tonight about the the um, the competition, how things are going? Do you feel like it? this is like the end of an era with her not coming back and with Venus not coming back? I, I can imagine people thinking, oh, my gosh, what now is going to happen with 
with tennis, especially, you know, at, at this level? Oh, it, it's funny that you say that because I was at the matches uh, for the day session with my wife and there was a palpable kind of downer in, in Arthur Ashe, which had just been electric. Like you had goosebumps just being there. But today I have to tell you, it was a little, a little quiet. It felt like it even on the grounds that something had been lost um, just because greatness he had called it a day. Uh, Serena Williams is amazing when it comes to tennis. But at the same time, I have to tell you, watching Coco Goff win 7-5, and I, I, I hate putting the air apparent on there for an American female player, but, man, Coco is great. She's modeled herself after Serena and Venus. Yes, she has, um, yes. Just happens to be an African-American woman, but, my goodness, she's got the goods. So it, it, do I, I don't want to put any pressure, even though there's pressure on Coco. That's always what happens with American tennis. We're always looking for the next great American champion, male or female, and puts a lot of pressure. But I, at 18, I still think she's ready to handle his many years ahead of her. But it's a huge loss because we have a vacuum. And honestly, now we got to see what happens both here because Danielle Collins is also in the bottom half of the draw. She plays tomorrow. Coco, of course, played today. You know, you have two American women who are awesome. Fabulous people, great players, but now maybe American tennis fans have to do a little bit more studying on some of their players, both on the male and female side. Um, but at the same time, there's a hole in there, um, and we've got to both accept it, but also be excited and support our other players who are coming up. And we have so many of them, both on the men's and women's sides. And if you don't know who they are, you know Shelby Rogers, who I think is a wonderful player, a strong player, and you know who I met, I totally missed Jessica Pergula. Um, also, I mean, we have, we have great players, so we're not, we're not losing out here. It just means some people are going to have to rise and hopefully they can, they can meet that challenge. Okay. So in meeting that challenge, first of all, I want to talk to you about, you know, are there other women that reached 40 years old and was still going past that number? No, there, there hasn't been. Okay. And the only reason I say this is, and, and I'm not a complete tennis um, aficionado, Martina Navratilova, Czech-born mm-hmm. player, then, of course, became a U.S. citizen. She was playing well under her 40s and winning, but it wasn't on the single side. She won some uh, later in her career mixed doubles and doubles uh, Grand Slam titles. So, And Martina is an amazing person, amazing ambassador for tennis, still is a um, great commentator. But there hasn't been anyone who's done it at Serena's level. I, I mean, I think about one of the last times she won a Grand Slam. She was five months pregnant at the Australian. Um, there just hasn't, and there hasn't been anyone like that. Um, we've had some amazing former champions, but nothing at, at that age of 40. Um, and there's some reasons for that. Not only Serena took time away, as did Venus, from tennis at different times, which honestly pro- probably helped with longevity. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the scary thing is that now you have that vacuum I talked about, and any of these female players on the American side probably are feeling that pressure, so they need to keep playing to earn that right to say, hey, I'm, I don't know if anyone's ever going to be as good as Serena, uh, but to carry that moniker for American tennis on the women's side, um, it's, it's a big thing, and it means they're going to have to be working hard now, into the, honestly, into the um, indefinite future. Okay, so then who's the next GOAT? 
Oh, Charlie, you know, if I knew truly who that was, you know, I'd be betting money um, and investing <laughs> my son's college fund, right? right. Um, I, I, but, you know, Jessica Pergola, who, who's playing, Danielle Collins, who's playing, Shelby Rogers, who did lose, but is awesome. Coco Goff, of course. I, I just hate putting pressure on But let's not also, somebody who's been around, who's a veteran, Madison Keys, Sloan Stevens, who's won a Grand Slam title. We have a lot of really good players if I had to pick someone out of all of the American female players, I'm just looking at the American female players, I, I probably might lean towards Coco Goff. I think she's just mm-hmm. got some amazing, she's got a really good head on her shoulders, but also I think she's really passionate about it um, and maybe hasn't had the stumbles yet. You know, she came on big at 15, now she's 18. Um, and there will be some challenges, though, to carry that. And I think she has a, a great family around her mother and father involved she has good coaching she's involved with usta player development in certain ways but also has her own coaches um so i think she's got a great foundation but that's probably where i tip my hat um but if i'm wrong i will admit it but man she's if you haven't watched her play she'll be playing in so what today's so, uh, she'll be playing on tuesday and on I, tuesday. I think all all american tennis fans should be watching to see sh- how she plays Okay, final question. You talked uh, about um, exhaustion, that, that Serena really uh, kind of let people know she was exhausted. She had been on the, on the court for two and a half hours. She was going strong. And exhaustion can stop everything. It stops us in our tracks, right? Um, so if that was a um, – well, I should ask, is, do you believe that was one of the things that pulled her back away from her win? Um, very much so. I actually said it to someone who was right next to me and was watching the match, and I go, if this has to go to a third set, she won't make it. Um, oh. That's the first thing, right? Um, and you could see it. You could just see how she was playing. Um, and here's the thing, and I, I love Serena, and she's an amazing tennis player, but she, I, I, I think she tried to cram in a lot of training in a short period of time. I think she had three matches prior to coming to the U.S. Open and had two losses, one win. Um, that's not getting game ready for the U.S. Open. Um, and you can get away with a lot of stuff. But I, I know many pro players will use, if they haven't had a great lead-up with the U.S. Open series, which is amazing, they'll use those early matches to kind of find their their ramp up to them be hitting their stride as they get into the second week. That's a lot to ask when you had not been playing since Wimbledon of last year. So exhaustion is partly because I think fitness wasn't hundred percent. Um, and I have some other suspicions about honestly where her heart was and what she's thinking about. Um, you know, people can read between the lines with the Vogue article, which I, I love her media presence, right? She's just like my sister and use your wow. She owns it. Um, she also said, a a lot of us, the chatter here in New York and at the U S open is, is there something else going on? Not even the business side, you know, she talks about a family and so forth. Who knows, you know, if there's a second child quickly on the way or not. Um, total question mark, right? But it's a lot to ask of any um, human body if you're also potentially in that situation. I don't know that for a fact. Please don't quote me on that per se. Um, But (laughs) exhaustion had a lot to do with it. And honestly, the heat's been increasing here. And also, honestly, emotionally, it's amazing what the emotion of supporting can do, but also feeling that pressure. um, It can take a lot out of you as well if you think you're going to let down uh, expectations. If you were to see her right now, right now, and she said to you, what did you think? What would you tell her? I would say I was so cheering for you, and my heart broke when you lost. 
but also thank you for everything you've done. You, you've paved the way for so many players of every background, not just black players. I'm a, I'm a person of color as well. Um, but for so many players, especially women, giving them a role model. And honestly, you have, there's nothing to be ashamed of. She is the greatest of all time. And I tell her, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, what you've done for tennis. You've left it in great hands for people to follow. And honestly, I can't wait to see what she does next. I'm with you on that, sir. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am just uh, excited to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. You too. That's right. Roshan Rajkumar. And, of course, again, you know his you knew his sister here. She was here for, for years, um, Roshini Rajkumar, and uh, she and I forged a friendship. So, um, yeah, I'm really honored to have her brother on. Amazing. But, Serena, in my own personal opinion, Jonathan, um, I am not a tennis person. I don't watch a lot of tennis, but I must admit, you know, when I get to heaven, I, I hope <laughs> I, I'm going to look for her parents and I'm going to say thank you to them because they changed everything the way children, BIPOC children looked at the world through tennis. They, they changed the way they looked at that and it's amazing. So, you know, we have those that have come and those that have gone, but I don't forget those that have gone. All right, we're going to take a break, do some weather. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It is now 8.25 here at WCCO. I meant to mention, Jonathan, the woman that actually beat um, Serena Williams was Australia's Isla Tomlianovic. Tom Leonovich. Yes. And um, I know some people say she was pretty young. How old was she? Do you remember? No, she's actually, I mean, when you consider the ages of, of tennis players now and the ability for them to grow more longevity in their careers, mm-hmm. I guess you could say she's kind of young, but I believe she's either 27 or 29. She, I believe oh. she's 29. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's, she's not like early 20s or teens. She's not Coco Golf age. Right. Okay, so this is a perfect example, speaking to Rashawn, this is a perfect example of why I always ask this question, especially to my own siblings, my family, my children. Um, Who is responsible to tell us when we're done? I don't think she's done. 
Honest to goodness, I would not be surprised if next year she came back to play again. I would not be surprised. She is not a quitter. She's not the one, right? Would you agree with that? And that that's the thing that now everybody has focused on because of the way that in that Vogue magazine article she described mm-hmm. herself going on to the next chapter. She says she's evolving away from tennis. She never declaratively stated that she was retiring and that she was retiring at a certain time or at a certain place. I think everybody has assumed that since she has been so uh, – since tennis has been such a big part of her life, I, I, I don't want to say she's always been focused on tennis because she's had other avenues and she's had other things that she's – focused on in her life her fashion now her family so she hasn't been solely focused on tennis probably i would say since the mid-2000s um but she never gave those specific words she never gave that specific definite definition of i am walking away so that's why people are saying okay she did so well here if she had some more matches under her belt would she try again next year? Is she actually going to walk away at Wimbledon and not the U.S. Open? Because Wimbledon has been, she has always said, it's been her favorite event. She has won it the most times out of all of our majors. So is she going to retire there? And then you have the possibility of her having another child. If she has another child, she's about to turn 41. She's 40, mm-hmm. but she's about to turn 41. Mm-hmm. If she has another child... People are saying that's going to take her out of basically most, if not all, of next year. And then she's having to come back at 42 or 43. Don't underestimate a woman with an age like that. Just don't. I, you it, know, here's the thing. I mean, if, you're going to call, if, we're going to, if all of us are going to call her a goat, right, greatest of all time, then we have to really look at it from that perspective, I think. I don't even want to go down the road of if she does this, if she does that. All I know is that she didn't talk about her future plans. Uh, she didn't close the door on playing again. And if she's strong enough and has the brain with <laughs> bandwidth in her mind to really you know, stay focused and get it done, go for it. I mean, that would be remarkable. Can you imagine her doing a comeback? She's like, oh, yeah, you guys thought I was done. No, I decided I'm not done. I'm telling you, it's, it, it is... It's a long, hard road, and she's and she's had not just the play that has affected her body, but she had a, a difficult pregnancy when she had her her daughter, and that resulted afterwards in blood clots. So she really has to take her health beyond the court and beyond just training into consideration, especially if she's going to try to have another kid. Who is responsible to tell us when we're done? Because we're never going to think we're done. I'm just saying saying you have to take those factors into consideration. We're never going to say we're done. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's it. Hey, we got to take a break. It is now 829. Thank you for sticking and staying with us, and we'll be back in a moment. It is now 834 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. Hope you're enjoying the show. All right, our next guest, his name is Russ Adams. Well, let me tell you about it. This past Sunday, an icon of Minneapolis business announced it would be closing its doors. Shatzlin's Saddle Shop will start a liquidation sale tomorrow as the store plans to end its 115-year run 
in business. Again, that's 115 years in business. Now, how big of a, of a deal is this as Lake Street continues to rebound from everything that allowed businesses um, down, slowed down a lot of those businesses in 2020? Well, you remember not long ago. So we have to ask Russ Adams about this because the Corridor Recovery Initiative, uh, as the manager for the Lake Street Council, gives us an, an update on all the efforts happening along the way. And he joins us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. How you doing, Russ? Gerilyn, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Okay, I got to start out here by saying, tell us a little bit more about the Corridor Recovery Initiative. What do you do? Well, you know, what we're trying to do is help the various businesses, retail stores, restaurants on Lake Street make a full recovery. And, you know, as as most of your listeners will remember, it's a little over two years ago that we lost a number of businesses and buildings during the civil unrest. And, you know, when I talk about this, I always try to recognize from the very beginning that there was a man who was murdered in Minneapolis. Uh, by in broad daylight. police officers, yep. in broad mm-hmm. daylight, in front of children, mm-hmm. and the whole world saw it. And, um, you know, that's, that's what led to the civil unrest. Um, I think Minneapolis has been irrevocably, irrevocably altered and changed from that racial reckoning, as, as we all know. Um, there were also many business owners who lost their life's investment during the civil unrest. And, you know, we're talking about the most localized and impacted economic generators in our city. Small, uh, BIPOC-owned businesses, immigrant-owned businesses, so the kind of cultural district corridors that really drive tax base in Minneapolis. And they had already gone through so much, uh, if we remember, right? We had the pandemic. We had an economic downturn, a sudden recession. Um, this tragic racial reckoning that reverberated across the globe and extensive property destruction um, due to the civil unrest a little over two years ago. So right. what are they experiencing? They're, they're trying to build back. Many of those businesses were helped um, by uh, the We Love Lake Street Fund, which was something that we raised of over $11 million to help those businesses repair their damage, uh, restore their inventory, uh, get back set and set back up on on the corridor, um, but they're struggling, you know, with a diminished customer base that's related to COVID and the way that people shop now, and um, you know other perceptions about the safety uh, of commercial corridors in the city. So they're struggling with a lot at the moment, but there's some good success stories as well. Can you explain to me what commercial corridors are? I'm not sure. Well, just think of uh, if you've ever driven down Lake Street and you'll see mm-hmm. all kinds of different retail stores. Uh, yes. You'll see restaurants. You'll see uh, businesses that provide a, a needed service. They might specialize and uh, cater to a cultural community. Um, but, you know, those are those are sort of the, the, the corridors where an entrepreneur can get a foothold and get a start, and get a business going. And... Um, Build some equity and some wealth in their in their families, and maybe pass that on. So Lake Street has always been a place where entrepreneurs can get a, a fresh start um, and start a business, and that's what we're trying to preserve. 
It's really quite remarkable how many people of color, like you said, BIPOC communities, um, are really saying, I, I've been in business online only. Now I want a place. I want brick, uh, brick and mortar. I want to get out there and let people know we exist. Is there a challenge um, for the corridor where people are not getting the people in? I know you mentioned a little bit of this right, right at the beginning, and I know there are challenges, but how do we make sure that we can move people towards that corridor, or is it that people are not feeling safe enough to go into that area again? That's a great question. Um, I really feel like 2022 is going to be a pivotal year for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a tipping point. I, I think it's you know our collective healing has already started. Um, we are reconstructing on a number of vacant lots. People are returning to the corridor. Uh, we had a very successful open streets event a, a few weeks ago. Uh, we had the Black Entrepreneur State Fair uh, at Chicago and Lake um, on one of these lots and parking lots that have not been redeveloped yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, we're open for business. Uh, many of these uh, businesses, the uh, Midori uh, Floating World Cafe, back up and running. So, yes, it's it's very saddening to see Shopline Saddle Store uh, closed down after more than a hundred year run. Um, it's one of the oldest on the corridor. Uh, but we're also extremely excited to see so many new businesses that are popping. Uh, a lot, you know, I'm at the state fair right now, and there are a lot of folks uh, going to some of the businesses that are actually relocating to uh, Lake Street soon. Oh, uh, wonderful! So, yeah, we're excited about some of those those prospects. My biggest concern when I drive down Lake Street all the way, I go as far as I can go. And I am just blown away when I get to the Mississippi River, and I'm I'm counting in my head because I can't write it down while I'm driving. But I'm counting in my head how many of those buildings that were destroyed have not been replaced, right? Has not been rebuilt, um, and so we still see a lot of that, and that's discouraging to people. When do you think we're going to see that area completely renewed? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and a lot of those buildings were owned uh, by BIPOC businesses. BIPOC property owners, um, uh, most of the damage, most of the businesses that we've helped to recover, mm-hmm. and there were more than 400 businesses damaged, um, you know, most were run by uh, or owned by immigrants, low-income entrepreneurs, and BIPOC families. Um, but we are going to see some really exciting redevelopment. So if you were driving from the river and heading west on Lake Street, you would come, uh, you know, up to 20. 27th Avenue South, right near the 3rd Precinct building. And we all know where yes. that is. We all yes. saw what happened there. Um, yes. There were a number of buildings that perished into flame, uh, you know, in, in the days uh, during that civil unrest. Uh, there's one called the Coliseum building. It used to be owned by the uh, Freeman family. Um, and that's, uh, we're expecting the, the uh, nonprofit developer to close on that building. Uh, it's a very, it's a three story classic brick building. It's just received uh, historical status, um, and uh, we expect this fall uh, for that to reopen. And one of your friends, somebody you've interviewed before, Chris Montana, the owner of mm-hmm. North Spirit, uh, is planning yeah. on putting a, a tasting room on the first floor of that building. Oh, um, awesome. There'll also be uh, on the third floor uh, sort of space for uh, African-American entrepreneurs, uh, 
to kind of get their businesses going. So there'll be kind of a collective on that third, third floor. Um, and that's only going to happen because of philanthropic sources, some government funding, and uh, the capacity and wherewithal of one of our more successful nonprofits, Belford Stewart Redesign Inc. Now, if you, mm. if you keep heading uh, west, you'll get to Chicago and Lake. And uh, the Graves Foundation owns a corner, the northeast, northwest corner, northeast corner, uh, multiple owners that are planning and building back. Um, the Sheridan Hotel owner plans to build mm-hmm. back yes. as well, probably do a extended stay hotel uh, neighborhood uh, development center. Uh, has the sort of northeast corner, parts in the northeast corner. Um, you're going to see housing. You're going to see more commercial retail. Uh, if you keep heading west, you go under 35W, right. and you'll get to Nicollet. Right. Now, Nicollet is a very interesting intersection, Nicollet and Lake Street. It sort of doesn't exist north of Lake Street because of the Kmart store. Right, so right. Purchase, <laughs> so the, so what is going to happen with that, by the way? Do you know what's going to happen? I think really great things are going to happen there. Uh, here's the best part of it. The city has site control of the Kmart site. It's the largest undeveloped plot of land on Lake Street. Uh, the local neighborhood associations like Whittier Alliance and uh, some of the others, uh, Lindale, I think they're going to have uh, a chance to really go out and talk to business owners, talk to residents, and try to think of what, what do we want to see uh, developed there. Because it's city-owned, and it's not going to be a for-profit enterprise, we could really do some creative things. We could create uh, ownership opportunities for entrepreneurs so that they don't just lease their commercial space, but maybe they get a piece of the ownership of that. Um, that very model is being uh, experimented uh, half a block south of that section uh, on the Wells Fargo Bank site, which burnt to the ground. Yes, it is. Um, they're going to rebuild there. And uh, that's a partnership between Wells Fargo and Project for Pride and Living, another one of our excellent, experienced, creative, savvy nonprofit developers. They're going to put 100 units of very affordable housing, and they're going to have four uh, commercial spaces in that structure. But they're going to do something different with those commercial spaces. They're going to create what they're calling commercial condos. So that's a business that is going to move into that space and fix it up for their for their needs. But they're going to own that space. They're not going to rent it. They're not going to pay a lease. They're going to pay off the space just like a condominium. So a commercial yeah. condo. I so had a chance to ask mean? some of the um, – yeah, excuse me for interrupting, sir. I, I actually asked uh, some uh, owners – of their own business, and they decided, you know, I am not leasing anymore. I'm going to own this building, even if it's small, and, you know, I'm going to get out there and just own it. And that's what they did. I remember going to the Global World Market, I think it's called. Um, oh, sure, and the Global go- Marketplace. Yeah, the Global Market. And I went in there. It's nothing like I remember it 20 years ago. It's just nothing like it. Um, and I, at first I was disappointed. And then when I went from vendor to vendor, vendor to vendor, I started realizing what a great great way to have all these vendors in this space to be able to make a living. So I got excited, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. now we're fine. I'm, I'm hearing from people saying, I want to buy it. So just like you were saying, they're going to own their space. And that's a really big deal. I'm so excited to hear that. And by the way, my final question, sir, I want to ask you about all of the gentrification on Lake Street that was happening before the George Floyd event happened. 
um, we really saw a big difference on Lake Street. I mean, it was changing right before us, before that even happened. And then when that happened, so much other stuff happened after that. Um, do you yep. think that some of the gentrification that was happening down further, um, going east, do you think that that was more was really hard on the communities on Lake Street? Or do you think that that was the thing that encouraged people to do more, build more, be more? You know, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure that there's a really good answer to that. Um, there, you know, I've, I've worked as a nonprofit advocate on urban growth and development issues for over 30 years. Um, I don't know that anyone's found the right mix and formula for when we're doing, you know, kind of strategic redevelopment in an area, um, how much market rate housing do you want to mix with affordable housing? Um, what kinds of businesses do you want to bring in when, you know, storefronts are boarded up and, and you want to see some economic activity? I do know this. When neighborhood leaders work extremely hard to bring in a, a community back, they should have the right to stay in that neighborhood. They should be able to live there without fear of their rent going up, their taxes going so high that they have to choose between, you know, living there as in an uh, ownership housing um, or having to move somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. I think we always have to replenish our affordable housing supply. So, it, you know, when we get opportunity and access to lots, we've got to make sure they're affordable. And I'll tell you this, commercial spaces work the same way these days. And, and the reason is, if you're uh, redeveloping one of these lots, and maybe there's six or seven that you know we still need to to turn around, so we're getting close to a full reconstruction, but we're not there yet. But if you're looking at the budget, you're going to say, "Wow, uh, supply chain issues are really making this a difficult project. Inflation is rise is is driving up costs. The labor shortage, all of these things start to contribute to your budget going higher and higher." You build the building, you want to rent out the space uh, commercially, and uh, the vendors that you're, you're trying to court say, I can't pay that rent. So right. we do worry about that. We really worry about affordable commercial space. That's why what, what they're doing at Wells Fargo um, is so exciting. You know, it's very experimental. Um, what they're yeah. doing at the Coliseum building, that's going to be co-ownership. So Chris Montana is going to uh, end up being a part owner of that building. Um, that's incredible. Gonna, so... So as you move, I'm so sorry to interrupt you because we have to stop now, but I just wanted to say I am so happy that I got to talk to you, Russ Adams, uh, the Corridor Recovery Initiative Manager of the Lake Street Council. And by the way, I hope First Independence Bank will also get on board if it hasn't already. So uh, congratulations on all that you are doing, and I I hope to have an update from you soon. You take care of yourself. Thank you, Geraldine. All right. Oh, my goodness, you guys. That's amazing. Go down um, and and take a look at it. we got to take a break, Jonathan. I think we do, don't we? Okay, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 8.54 as we wrap up this hour. Um, I do want to reiterate um, the importance of stopping by this iconic Minneapolis saddle, saddle shop, which is closing after 115 years. Um, it is the end of an era on Lake Street in Minneapolis. The uh, Chasseline Saddle Shop is a family-owned store that sells an array of Western apparel, riding equipment, and other goods announced it'll close after 115 years in business. 
Just unbelievable. The shop is a pillar of the Minnesota horse community and beyond, offering leather repair and other services at the store in addition to merchandise. The closure was announced Sunday in a Facebook post. Now, the store's liquidation sale begins tomorrow with 25% off regular priced items and an additional 20% off clearance. And uh, I have to say... um, the thing that I know, what I have in common with it is that I went there one time. There was a big Western show on um, Boom Island in St. Paul, and I was a part of that, and I needed some Western gear. And I went in and bought this plaid shirt. And what is the thing that they wrap around the neck, um, Jonathan? You know that uh, A kerchief? No, no, no. A bandana? It's the, no. It's the little metal thing that goes right up. Under your collar, a bolo tie. Two, a bolo tie. That's it. I had a bolo tie, dude. I had the hat. Only thing I didn't have were the boots, <laughs> and I loved it. I went and I sang some country songs and and some fun songs with um, a couple of you know really well known players uh, here in this in this state that love that music, and uh, it was really fun. So I just had to tell that story. I wore that. I still have that somewhere, but I don't know where. I think it's in my storage. But it was really fun. Have you ever done something like that, Jonathan? I got a feeling you like little Western music sometimes. Um, what? Um, yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, you and I both are pop kings and queens. There's no yes. doubt about it. Yes. You love pop as much as I love pop. This but is true. But come on. Don't you, li- you listen to the man in black, don't you? You listen to... Oh, oh, okay. I- come on. I don't want to downgrade country or diss on country. Um, right. It's not my jam most of the time. Okay. There, there are some things that I, I guess I would consider as I'm growing older, I, I listen back to stuff that I used to listen to or listen to newer stuff that I'm looking for, and yeah. it has a country tinge to it Yeah. or a, or a folk tinge to it and that sort of thing. So I, I have it in – in the back of my head. Well, it's however, become part of however, my jam. However, yes. it is not something I usually seek out. <laughs> well, I fell in love with it doing a Prairie Home Companion, man. I fell in love with that music, and I had a really good time with it. So I think in my next life, I might actually, you know, try to learn a banjo. How about that? <laughs> Please send me pictures. Please send me video. Please send me video. <laughs> no, you're coming with me. We're going to do a duet. There you go. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for sticking in the sand with this hour. And then, of course, we'll come back with Center Stage is next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.